0: you, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Kinsey. I am bringing you a Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Missing Mondays episode. Typically, every second Saturday of every month is going to be dedicated to MMIW episodes, but given today is October 12th, we wanted to go ahead and wait till today to release this episode in honor of Native Americans Day. During the entire month of August, we did a segment on the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Movement. It is Crimeaholic's mission to shed light on an epidemic that is plaguing Native American women in North America. There is far too many missing and murdered Indigenous women, and their voices are being silenced. According to the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native American Women, there are nearly 6,000 missing Indigenous women, but only 200 of the missing person cases are actually logged into the DOJ database. And according to the DOJ database, Indigenous women are losing their lives at 10 times higher than the national average. Not only are these statistics alarming, but according to the Urban Indian Health Institute, 94% of Native American women have been raped or coerced in their lifetime. Due to this, 40% of Native American women have attempted suicide at some point because they have been raped or coerced. 34% of them binge drink on a weekly or daily basis after their initial attack. The statistics around the MMIW movement are absolutely horrendous and heartbreaking. We will not stop talking about the MMIW movement until something changes. We will always bring awareness. Jermaine Austin Charlo is missing from Missoula, Montana. She was last seen on June 16, 2018 near Orange Street Market. Jermaine also goes by the name of Liz, and at the time of her disappearance, she was 23 years old. She stands at 5 feet 9 inches tall and approximately 130 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes with a flower tattoo on her chest and a deer on her left shoulder blade. The night of Jermaine's disappearance, she was wearing a gray hoodie with brown Under Armour logo, a white t-shirt, and blue jeans. She was wearing a blue and tan baseball cap that had three logos of trees on the front, and she was wearing cowboy boots. Unfortunately, Jermaine's case is a lot like the other MMIW episodes that we have done. There was just not a ton of information online about Jermaine. So as always, I did try to reach out to her family, and I did get in contact with a family member of hers, Valinda. But given that these things are really hard to talk about and sometimes it's just too much, we were unfortunately not able to set up a time to talk. So with that being said, I was not able to gather a lot of information about her case. But nevertheless, it is so important that we still say Jermaine's name and get her information out in the public the best that we can. According to an interview that Valinda did, Jermaine just is not her niece. Jermaine is almost like her sister. She said that they were very close and that her disappearance has really taken a toll on her. Out of all the interviews that I watched Valinda do, it just really broke my heart watching her almost not be able to speak because she has no words and she's so heartbroken that they have not located Jermaine just yet. According to Valinda, Jermaine is a very bubbly, happy, vibrant girl. She stated that Jermaine is an amazing artist who has a huge love for nature. One of Jermaine's favorite things to do was to take her young boys Thomas and Jacob outdoors to go fishing and hiking. I was looking at Jermaine's Facebook page while I was doing research for her episode and she had so many different photos of her and her boys outside together enjoying the nature. Even though she has two young boys, she is just like any other 23-year-old woman who would like to go and hang out with her friends when she has free time. According to the Missoulan, on June 15, 2018, the night before her disappearance, Jermaine went and hung out with some friends in downtown Missoula. They attended a few bars that night, such as the Badlander, but who she was with exactly that night is not known to the public at this time. However, according to the detective working her case, they do actually have camera footage from a working camera that is hung right above the back door at the Badlander. On this footage, it shows Jermaine heading into the alleyway, but she does not appear to be in any distress. Sometime between midnight and 1 a.m., she was seen walking near the Orange Street Market, and that was the very last confirmed sighting of Jermaine. According to her family, Jermaine was supposed to go take a pack test to be able to work at the U.S. Forest Department in order to get a job working as a wildland firefighter. However, Jermaine never made it to take that test on the 16th, and she did not ever make it home later that day. Her aunt, Belinda, stated to the Missoulin that she noticed her Facebook page was not active, which for a 23-year-old like Jermaine that was very unlike her. Valinda said she sent many, many text messages and made several calls to Jermaine, but they all went unanswered. This worried her, so she decided to make a call to the Missoula Police Department to file a missing persons report, but as always when it comes to these missing and murdered indigenous women, it was met with very little urgency. So Valenda felt it was going to be best for her to make the trip up to Missoula to file that missing persons report in person to make sure that somebody was going to help find Jermaine. There was a detective assigned to Jermaine's case, but for whatever reason, two weeks later, it was handed off to another detective, and that was Detective Baker. According to everything I have seen online, there seems to have actually been a real effort made in Jermaine's case to find her. Which I'm sure by now you know that is usually not the case when it comes to Native American women. According to Detective Baker, there has been 1,200 hours put into finding Jermaine. There has been several search warrants executed and many, many people questioned. He has stated that there has been several tips and leads turned into law enforcement. He stated that some of these leads has ended up taking him 50 miles away from Missoula, To the Flathead Reservation. I'm not exactly sure the reasons for them zoning in on this area or why they think that they need to focus on this area, but that was something that I was really hoping to be able to get some clarification on from Jermaine's family. The detective working Jermaine's case, for some reason, is very dead set on believing that Jermaine has been sex trafficked. I was recently told by someone close to me that Native American women are the number one most trafficked race and that is because they are able to be passed off as other races. Hearing that information just absolutely crushes me and puts my stomach in knots. Although this is what the detective believes, I ended up doing some digging into her family's Facebook pages to see if there was any information I could gather on what they feel has happened to Jermaine. It's not something I always do, But because there is such a lack of information on Jermaine's case out there and I was not able to talk to her family, I wanted to be able to try and find something about how they feel. And I did end up coming across a few family members' Facebooks and according to them, they wholeheartedly believe that she has not been trafficked and the person that they believe is responsible for her disappearance is actually her ex who is the father of her two boys, Thomas and Jacob. Her family has stated that her ex was extremely, extremely abusive to Jermaine and in the past, he has actually been arrested and charged with domestic violence. According to her family, that night, he had a whole three-hour window where he was just not accounted for and did not even have an alibi. They also state that her ex has given several different stories to law enforcement. And one of the stories that he told to law enforcement was that he actually was with Jermaine that night. He said he picked her up from downtown and drove her over to a friend's house. And he did end up giving that name to law enforcement, but her family has said that the name that he gave them was of another missing girl there in Missoula who went missing years prior to Jermaine's disappearance. Even though nothing seems to, like, add up with her ex, like, at all, Her family states that law enforcement is not looking into her ex as a possible suspect and that they are just like dead set on the fact that Jermaine has been trafficked. With all of the research we have done on these MMIW cases, we obviously know that there is a large number of missing women in Montana and some do believe they have been trafficked. But I do have to say, like, I feel like I agree with Jermaine's family. You have this crazy abusive ex who has no alibi for that night, admits that he was with Jermaine and is upset with her over custody battle, why would law enforcement not be digging into him further? Like, why are they just trying to settle with she's been sex trafficked? To me, it seems like that's just an easy way out. The detective assigned to her case has stated to the Missoulin that he is always constantly thinking about Jermaine. He said that there's nights where he goes to bed and he can't sleep because he's worried about where Jermaine is and what her family is feeling and what he can do better to find her. I do have to, again, agree with Jermaine's family. I feel like if they would just really hone in on her ex and really investigate him, that they would find the answers to Jermaine's disappearance. Very sadly, like many other MMIW families, her family has stated at this point they just want to know what has happened. They are trying to stay positive and they move forward with believing that Jermaine is still alive, but nevertheless they just want answers. They want to know what has happened to their loved one. Unfortunately, I do not have any more information to provide except for what I have provided you with. But again, what matters most is that we keep saying Jermaine's name and we keep her information circulating until she comes home. A family is extremely devastated and heartbroken and there is two very, very young boys without their mom who are also being withheld from Jermaine's family. As I have said a million times and I will keep saying over and over, it is so important to keep her name and information in the media the best that we can. So we are asking you to please share Jermaine's story. She was last seen on June 16, 2018 in Missoula, Montana near the Orange Street Market. She was 23 years old at the time of her disappearance. She stands at 5 feet 9 inches tall and it was approximately 130 pounds. Jermaine has brown hair and brown eyes with a flower tattoo on her chest and a tattoo of a deer on her left shoulder blade. The night of her disappearance, she was wearing a gray hoodie with a brown Under Armour logo, a white t-shirt with blue jeans, a blue and tan baseball cap with a logo of three trees and some cowboy boots. If you have any information about the disappearance of Jermaine Austin Charlo, also known as Liz, you are encouraged to call the Missoula Police Department at 406-552-6300 or the Flathead Tribal PD at 406-675-4700. If you have not yet, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics Podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where you can see pictures of Jermaine. Jermaine is an absolutely beautiful girl and she has got to be found. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.